come around me, be afraid. Uh, levophobia, fear of objects on your left. You might be afraid of the person on your left, but objects, that's interesting. Dextrophobia is fear of objects on your right. Odontophobia, figure that one out. Fear of teeth. This next one, I'm not even sure I can say it. Hippopotamonstrosequipedophobia. Fear of long words. <laughs> Ecclesiophobia is fear of church. Ecclesia is Greek means church, uh, so any of you got that one? Homilophobia is fear of sermons. I have that one. And maybe what's going on in the resurrection account is euphophobia, and I don't have that one up there for you, but that's fear of hearing good news. And of the four Gospels, Mark's account is the one I want to look at just very briefly. It's the weirdest account of all, really. Mark 16, 1 through 8. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they've laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out, fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's the end of Mark's gospel. Odd way to end the gospel, don't you think? The last word is afraid. The end. Turn the page to the next chapter and there is no next chapter. The ending of Mark is so disappointing that some of your Bibles will have 11 more verses that a later scribe added to provide a more satisfactory conclusion. Some scribe wanted something more, than, more uplifting and reassuring than the way this ends, but that's not how Mark ends. And this text seems really a little, place, a little out of place this morning. It's entirely the wrong mood. We're in a spirit of celebration. You know, we're joyous over the news of life over death, and even the weather's wonderful today. And these women hear the same good news that we sing about today, but they don't rejoice, and they don't sing. They run. They're afraid. Now, if I saw an angel, angel I might be afraid, too. I, I do get that. But Jesus is alive. God's not dead. By the way, have you gotten a text from someone saying God's not dead. You know, they went to the movie and they want you to... I want you to get out your phone if you have it right now today. This is the only time we let you use your phone on Sunday morning, okay? I want you to send a text right now to two people. God's not dead. And I want one of them to be me, okay? I don't get very many texts. I'm not very popular, so I'd really like to get some texts. <laughs> okay, my number's up there, I think. That is the correct... So I want to receive a text from you right now, God's not dead, if you have your phone, okay? If you do that, and to someone else, hopefully someone that's not... Oh, I just got one already, very good. Um, okay. I can't wait to get home and read all these. This is so cool. But I'm going to mute you now. That's enough, I'm just going to be shaking in my pants all day. Anyway... <laughs> God's not dead. But not everyone at the first resurrection was excited. Not everyone was singing, Hallelujah, Christ the Lord is risen today. And could it be that resurrection is not necessarily good news? There's a man who went on vacation to the Holy Land with his wife and his mother-in-law, and the mother-in-law died while they were in the Holy Land. 
So they went to an undertaker, and he explained that they could ship the body home, but it would cost over $5,000, whereas they could bury her in the Holy Land for just $150. And the man says, well, we'll ship her home. And the undertaker says, are you sure? That's an awfully big expense, and we can do a very nice burial here for your mother-in-law. And the guy says, well, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy here, and three days later, he rose from the dead. <laughs> Can't take that chance. <laughs> so resurrection is not always good news. What are these women afraid of? That's what I want you to think about this morning. God's not dead, but that can be scary. So let's not let the music and the joy of this day you know, lead into some mindless sentimentality about Easter. Easter, is, if it's simply about good feelings or a traditional day where the family goes to church and then has a big lunch, that's really, that's really pretty shallow, just to be honest. We can leave today feeling better, emotionally touched, a more positive outlook on life, but if the resurrection Jesus really happened, and make no mistake, there's a lot of solid evidence for it, then Easter is a serious matter. And there's some good reasons to fear it. First of all, if Jesus is raised from the dead, life is far more unpredictable than we thought. Now, we have a sermon outline on your bulletin. If you want to follow along, fill in the box, that's fine. But life is more unpredictable than we thought. The driving force of modern life has been science. And our scientists and experts have been aiming at discovering the laws of nature and the relationships of cause and effect. And the more these laws we can understand, the more we can control circumstances and the more we can make life better. If we have a problem, we can find a solution. We humans can control things and predict things because of the laws of nature. But do you see how the resurrection smashes all that? Dead men don't rise from the tomb. That's an irrefutable law of nature. When a person dies, the body decomposes, that's the end. But if Jesus rose from the dead, that blows that all apart. And if that law of nature is broken, anything can happen. Life is not so predictable after all. Nothing is for sure. You ever watch the weather or check your weather app on your phone, and tonight, 100% chance of rain? I've never quite understood how anyone can say there's absolutely no way there's not going to be rain tonight. Now, usually they're right, of course, because there are some laws of nature and cause and effect. But what the resurrection does, it shows that there's something more than cause and effect and the laws of nature. No one can 100% guarantee or predict outcomes. Now, I can make plans, but God may interrupt those plans at any time. So the resurrection proves that we're not in a closed universe of just cause and effect. It has been said there's two certainties in life, death and taxes. Well, at least one of those have been removed. There are really no certainties in life. Do we know for sure the sun will rise tomorrow? Can you guarantee that? God has shown that he will interrupt this world of predictability. The laws of nature do not ultimately run the universe. And that's scary. No wonder the women ran. Their world of certainty has been turned upside down. Their view of the world just got smashed. Second reason to fear Easter is this life is diminished in importance. If Jesus is raised from the dead, and that's a sign of what's going to happen for all of us, that means that this life is not all there is. There's something more. And that's scary. That means that the things we think are so important in this life really aren't as important as we think they are. Our careers that we work so hard for, our retirement, our children's happiness and their well-being, they're just not that important because there's something more beyond the grave. If the resurrection is true, things that are so important in this life become less significant. Several years ago, and this is a true story, shortly after a major earthquake in California, an announcement came over a particular radio station, and this was before cell phones and all that. It says the telephone company is urging people to please not use the telephone unless it is absolutely necessary in order to keep the lines open for emergency personnel. 
And then the radio station said, we'll be right back after this break to give away a pair of Phil Collins concert tickets to caller number 95. Please don't use the phone unless absolutely necessary because of an earthquake. But you can call for Phil Collins tickets. The resurrection is an earthquake event. And all of a sudden, Phil Collins' concert tickets are really diminished in importance. At least it should be. If my son becomes a doctor or a sports star, that's not really nearly as important as compared to what he'll become in the next life, if the resurrection's true. If my portfolio reaches $10 million, that's not nearly as important as compared to the investments I've laid up in heaven. You see, the resurrection of Jesus guarantees there will be another life, and we will someday come face to face with God, and that's scary too. No wonder the women were afraid. Their whole value system is being challenged. The things of this life just aren't as important now. Third reason to fear, if the resurrection is true, that means Jesus was right. It is now clear those shocking things that he said are true. You mean he is the Son of God and he is the way and the truth and life? There, there's a heaven and there's a hell? See, when God raised Jesus, that was God's stamp of approval on him. Way back at his baptism, a voice came from heaven, from God, saying, listen to this guy, he's my son, and the resurrection verifies that. And that's scary because, frankly, we don't like everything Jesus said. He said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Well, we don't want to deny ourselves. We want to fulfill ourselves and live our own lives. There's a mother preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, who was five, and Ryan, who was three. And the boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. And their mother saw the opportunity for a lesson in self-giving, and she said, well, if Jesus was sitting here, he'd say, let my brother have the first pancake, and, and I can wait. And so Kevin said to his little brother, Ryan, Ryan, you be Jesus. Self-denial. We don't want to do it. And it's terrifying. But the only way we can put Christ at the center of our lives is to remove ourselves from that center. And that's hard and that's scary. I can see why the women ran in fear. Who wants to deny themselves? I don't. Jesus said other scary things like the way to life is narrow and few will find it. The way to destruction is wide and many will find that. That scares me. So there's real reasons to fear the resurrection. It makes life unpredictable. It challenges our value system. The things we chase after in this life are diminished in importance, and it forces me to accept that Jesus was right after all. So what are you doing here today anyway? What's wrong with you? Why are we celebrating? Well, for each one of these fears, there's a flip side, and there's good news. First, life may be unpredictable, and that's scary, but if Easter is true... That also means we can give up our attempts to be like God and control life. The good news is we can give up all this anxiety in trying to make sure everything works out just the right way, just the way we want it to work out. When we realize that our events are out of our control, maybe we can relax and quit trying to play God. God's in control, not me. I can't predict the future. I can't control it. Only God can. How many of you remember Candid Camera? You old enough to remember that? Oh, one of my favorite shows. Years ago... On one of the shows, a very large and rough-looking truck driver, a man, he's about 50 years old, was asked, what age would he like to be if he could be any age he wanted? You ever thought about that? What age do you want to be? He thought for about, a, about it for a while. He said, finally, three. Really? You want to be three? Yeah, why? He says, well, when you're three years old, you don't have any responsibility. Now, the downside of three is you have very little control over your life. You know, parents and adults are running your life, pretty much telling you what to do, and your job is to obey. But the upside about going to being three is you can go to bed without worrying about the furnace going out. You don't have to worry about a tax deduction you claimed. 
You don't worry about the next recession or a, or a terrorist strike or retirement or being laid off. You just drift off to sleep living under your parents' wing. Someone else is responsible. Someone else is in control. What a sense of freedom. Recognizing I'm not God. I don't have to be God. My future is not in my hands. So let's just quit trying to manipulate it. Just chill. Of course, there's uncertainty in life now that Jesus has been raised from the dead. But also there's an assurance. A living, personal God is involved in this world and involved in your world. I don't know if the sun will rise tomorrow. That's the uncertainty. But I do know who's in control of it. I don't want to be in control. Second reason to fear Easter is this life's diminished and it challenges our value system. But here's the good news. All the bad things and disappointments of this life are diminished as well. Difficulties are not the last word. I'm glad this life has been diminished. I'm glad this is not all there is. I can sing today because of that. There's a lot of things Ellen and I would like to do. We talk about this, you know, places we like to see. And, but, but we're going to die before all that happens. We're going to be disappointed. I'd love to live in the mountains someday. Now, I'm glad I get to live in a town called Mount Pulaski. But this mountain, to be a little honest, is a little disappointing as far as mountains go. And I tell myself, at least I'm not living in Chestnut. That's good. So... <laughs> We love chestnut here. Okay. I'd love to shoot a par round of golf just once, but it's not going to happen. I would love to have a great singing voice, maybe be the next Elvis. I would really like to be quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and beat the Bears on the way to the Super Bowl. Okay. I'd love to do that. That's not going to happen. Okay. There's a lot of things I doubt I'll ever do. And if this life is all there is, my life's going to end in disappointment. But if resurrection is true, I will have an eternity to experience so much more. I don't have to have it all now, because I'm going to have it all someday. This life is diminished, and I say, thank goodness. That's good news. And then the third fear, if Jesus is raised from the dead, that means that Jesus was right, that we must deny ourselves, follow him to the cross, give up our lives, and that's all scary. But the good news is that those teachings really are the way to life. Obedience does lead to death of self, but paradoxically, the one who loses their life is really the one who gains the only life worth living. I have found when I live for myself and I don't deny myself, I'm pretty miserable, and the people around me are pretty miserable. I found in my marriage when I'm selfish, it's a living hell. I found with my kids when I'm selfish, everyone is unhappy. And I've even seen in the church, people who insist on their own way are the ones who always seem to be the grumpiest and the unhappiest. But when I give up my rights and sacrifice and die to myself, that's when the good life begins. When I die with Christ, that's when I really begin to live both here and in eternity. And that's why we sing today. Easter also means that Jesus was right about eternal life. More and more I'm realizing how short life is. Every day I see a few more gray hairs. Every day I see my chest drop just a little further into my stomach. By the way, today's not only Easter Sunday, it's also Logan's birthday. He's a... Uh, He's getting older. We no longer have a teenager on staff. Um, and his chest isn't dropping just yet. The statistics on death are pretty impressive. One out of one is going to die. Father time is undefeated. But the resurrection gives the promise of life and what Jesus taught was right. I remember doing a Bible study for a nursing home a while back and we were having a prayer time at the end and one of the ladies said, would you pray for me? I have an appointment to check on the progress of my Alzheimer's. I didn't know quite what to say. How do you pray for that woman? She's probably not going to get better. 
And if there is no resurrection, what a pathetic end. Paul said, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. Every time I go to the nursing home, I say, this is my destiny. This is, going to be, this is where I'm going to be someday. But because of the resurrection, we can go to the nursing home and sing. And we do. Every Tuesday night, we rejoice. We praise God. I've seen people in wheelchairs with saliva dribbling down their face, people who are crippled, some who have never had a visitor, people in bed who have no idea what's going on around them, and we can sing because this life has been diminished. The nursing home is not the final word. Now, it took the women and the disciples a while to figure all this out. At first, they were afraid for very good reason, but when they recognized the big picture, their fear was turned to joy. Wally and Barbara Rendell ministered with a church in Lexington, Kentucky, when their daughter Jill, who was attending a Christian college in Cincinnati, and she was a dedicated Christian, she was part of the basketball team, and a few years ago, when the van she was riding with the rest of the team overturned, Jill was killed, 21 years old. She'd been on the dean's list, she was a spark plug of the team, basketball team, she was popular, she was selected by her classmates as homecoming queen just several days before she was killed. And when Wally and Barbara Rendell received the news that their daughter had been killed, of course, they were devastated. But within a few minutes, Wally said, the queen has gone home to be with the king. And for Jill's funeral, the church building was packed with over a thousand in attendance. At the beginning of the service, a young man sang, I fell on my knees and cried holy. And the first stanza says, I dreamed of a city called glory, so bright and so fair. When I entered the gates, I cried, holy. The angels all met with me there. They carried me from mansion to mansion, oh, the sights that I saw. Then I saw I wanted to see Jesus. Then I said, I want to see Jesus, for he's the one who died for all. And there was not a dry eye in the house as he sang that. And then during the second stanza, Wally and Barbara Rendell, sitting in the front row, within reach of their daughter's casket, as the young man came to the part where it says, I want to see Jesus, they stood up, started clapping over their heads, and all, all 1,000 people leapt to their feet, they leaped to their feet, and they began applauding together to sing and praise God and give God the glory, and goosebumps just bump, coming up off their arms. And then the preacher closed with this poem, it was Jill's words to her, to her family, she said, grieve not for me, nor let one small tear fall. What you dream of I can see, and friend, it's worth it all. And again, the whole congregation burst into applause. Paul said, we sorrow, but not as others who have no hope. I love funerals of believers, true believers. Say what you will, but Christians who are really Christian handle death pretty well. Christians who are really Christian mourn with hope. They have a constant, consistent, solid foundation for life. You know, I, I say to parents, parents, you want to give your children a gift, please give them Jesus. Give them a home where Jesus is Lord. Give them a church and give them a hope. Give them a resurrection. And don't be afraid. He is risen. Let's pray. Today, Lord, there's an array of emotions. Certainly joy. Maybe some doubt. Maybe some fear. Certainly hope. But Lord, we ask this one thing. And that is that everyone here will consider Jesus as the Lord and the Savior of their lives. And will consider knowing Him and His way and His people. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for the resurrection and thank you for Jesus because it's in his name that we sing and we pray and it's in his name that we live. Amen. Will you please stand with us as we continue?